Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine as we continue the series, Refresh. Remember, you can always find us on Sunday streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Have you ever been on your computer navigating your way through the World Wide Web when all of a sudden something goes terribly wrong? What do you do when you encounter these problems? You simply click the refresh button. Just click that little button at the top of your screen and everything reloads and starts over. It's like you get a fresh start, a new beginning. And when it comes to our relationship with God and with others, maybe it's time to refresh. It's an age-old question. What is love? People define love in so many ways that it's not an easy question to answer. So we decided to settle the question once and for all and assembled our own panel of world-class experts. I think you'll enjoy their insights. What is love? Love is a feeling that makes you feel joy and happy. To me, love is just, well, family. When you feel very kind and nice. When you like having someone around. Because kindness is very nice to people. It's when you like people super much that you love them. Love is where you really like something, but just more. Love is more than like. Let's say you like soccer, but you really, really like basketball. That's loving basketball. Sharing with somebody or give a card or a present. When you love someone and you say, I love you. That means we can give kisses, hugs, make pictures, make art. It means to be kind to other people. To care about someone. To help someone. What does it mean to love God? It means to like make you feel like better. It makes you feel like God really loves you. To show friendship. To try to trust God. To believe in Him and know that He's good. You should be so nice to Him whenever you pray to Him. And wish him a good day and hope that he's feeling okay. Like, I like this shirt, but I love God with more. You just really love him, so loving God is actually really good. It's just like loving, but 100 more times loving. That means you give God something or be nice to him or a little present in the mail for him. You love him so much to die. Trusting God's plan to return the favor that God sent you, which is Jesus. That means we worship him and we we love him so much he died for us. Yeah! How about our resident love experts? They hit on a powerful question, and it's definitely one that deserves our attention today. What does it mean to love God? We're in week two of our series, Refresh, and we've been talking about how at times life can feel like a web page that just isn't working right. 
And when that happens, there's only one thing to do. You hit that little refresh button at the top of your browser for a fresh start, a new beginning. And we believe that Jesus wants to bring that kind of refreshing in our church and in our lives as Christ followers. In the first days of the church, the Apostle Peter urged people to repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repentance is about stopping. It's about turning around and moving forward in a new, better direction. And Peter says that this repentance will lead to times of refreshing. And so during this series, we're challenging one another to hit the refresh button, to stop, to turn away from anything that's incompatible with our allegiance to Jesus, and to move forward in a better way. Now, to guide our way forward, we're turning to what Jesus says is most important, loving God and loving people. And here at Community, we believe that Jesus calls us to reorient our lives around loving God, loving people in the church, and loving people in the world. So today, let's start with loving God. What does it mean to love God? Did you actually know that Jesus defined what loving Him looks like? To set the scene for the scripture we're about to read, it's important to remember that Jesus is gathered with His disciples in an upper room the night before His crucifixion. And as He sits around this table sharing a meal with His closest friends, He tells them that one of them will betray Him. Jesus is looking ahead to the events that are going to unfold in the next 24 hours, fully knowing that loving the people sitting around him was going to require the sacrifice of his life. The bottom line, we can't outlove God. When Jesus teaches us how to love, he isn't asking us to do something that he hasn't already done himself. But before I share with you what Jesus says about loving God, let's just think about this question for a minute. How does God experience love? Have you ever thought about that? It makes me think of Gary Chapman's five love languages. My guess is many of you have heard of them. They are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, Chapman says that each of us has a love language, meaning a primary way that, that we experience love. For example, my love language is quality time. I feel most loved when the people I'm closest to want to spend time with me. So I wonder, what is God's love language? Is it receiving gifts? But what do you get the guy who has everything? I'd say quality time, except for God is always around everywhere. It makes me wonder, how does God experience love? Well, in the context of the upper room, gathered with his closest friends. This is how Jesus answers that question. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, I have to admit, I didn't see that coming. Jesus defines love for God as obedience. Honestly, I didn't realize that obedience was one of the love languages. Like, I wonder if it's too late for me to go back and pick that one over quality time. Can you just see me telling my closest friends and family, Hey, if you love me, I command you to get me a Dr. Pepper. How do you think that's going to go over? It's funny because we don't think about obedience being a part of love. 
Yet Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And he continues, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. There it is again. How does Jesus tell his apprentices to love him? By keeping his commands. Jesus is saying, this is how I experience love from you, when you follow me in the ways I have taught you to live. But this is where we need to be careful in how we receive this word from Jesus. This is not God being some kind of narcissistic controlling bully who needs to have his way. This isn't Jesus demanding a Dr. Pepper. He isn't trying to manipulate us when he calls us to obedience. What Jesus knows is that the way for his apprentices to truly live, to truly flourish, is to live in the ways that he taught them. The path to abundant life is the one that follows in Jesus' footsteps. But even when we understand that, there's still a, a huge pitfall we can trip into when we hear Jesus' words. I hear this teaching, and my, my first instinct sometimes is to think, okay, I got to try harder. I got to put more effort into obeying him. But I don't believe that's the response Jesus is after. Probably many of us have tried that. We've thrown ourselves into trying to be good and trying to, to do good in order to make God happy. But that misses the mark of what Jesus is truly after. Our effort is not the place to start when it comes to loving God. In fact, it's actually quite the opposite. Our ability to live out the commands that Jesus says are most important, loving God and loving people, comes directly from our ability to receive God's love first, to be loved by Him first. Let me say that in another way. Our ability to love God and love others comes first from our ability to live loved. This might come as a surprise, especially if you've ever thought that, that getting love from God meant you had to get your life straightened out and love Him first. But it comes straight from Scripture. John, perhaps the disciple who knew Jesus best, tells us we love because He first loved us. Paul, the apostle, adds, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love was a choice that God made before we ever chose to receive it. This kind of unconditional, unrestrained, unchanging love is difficult for us to understand. But the ability to live loved hinges on it. It hinges on accepting that, that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, loves you. There isn't anything you can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you less. We can't really talk about loving God until we first talk about God's love for us as his beloved children. Kids can teach us a lot about what it means to live 
loved. I remember when my, my two nephews were little. Every time I traveled to Ohio to see them, they had no qualms about being the objects of my affection. We would cuddle together on the couch and watch movies, and they always angled for the seats next to me at the dinner table. And almost every trip, I would take each one of them by themselves on a, a fun date to a movie or Build-A-Bear or a local kitty amusement park. And here's the thing. Never once did they say, Aunt Tammy, I'd rather not be the recipient of your love and affection today. <laughs> there is an ability in children to live loved that too many of us have lost as we've grown into adulthood. But Jesus never did that. He never outgrew the Father's love. He is actually the model for us of what it looks like to live loved. From the time we see Jesus as a preteen, sneaking away to the temple to be in his father's house, all the way into his 30s, regularly slipping away to spend time alone in his father's presence, Jesus lives loved. And the father expresses his love for Jesus in the most profound ways. In fact, there were several specific occasions when God spoke loudly enough to his son for the whole world to hear. Another of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, records that at Jesus' baptism, heaven was opened and everyone heard a voice say, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And on another occasion, Jesus climbs to the, the top of a mountain with his three closest friends and this bright cloud enveloped them. And again, a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Father's message to the Son, I love you and I'm proud of you. Can you imagine hearing that? You are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. Well, here is the astounding truth. God speaks these words over you too. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Just think about what Jesus is saying here. God in his glorious mystery of Father, Son, and Spirit loves you with the same fervor and affection with which the Father loves Jesus. And it's not some future version of your more arrived self that is loved. It's not the person who got it all together and, and never misses a beat. But right now, you are, you are fully, completely, unalterably loved. These are words of comfort. These are words of hope. And Jesus said them because he wants us to learn to relax in his love. He wants us to learn to live loved. Unless we start there with learning to live loved, everything else loses its meaning. Obedience becomes unreasonable. The mission becomes hollow. The commandment to love others as yourself becomes impossible. Our ability to love God and love others comes first from our ability to live loved.
It is the unconditional, unrestrained, unchanging love of God that transforms our hearts in order to make us capable of love. For it is when the truth of how much we are loved sinks deep into our souls that what will grow in us is this overwhelming desire to love God back. We want to love because He first loved us. And how do we love Him? Well, this brings us back to Jesus' words. If you love me, keep my commands. However, through the lens of love, no longer do these words put, put a weight on us that we need to try harder. Instead, they become an outlet for us to express the love that is welled up within us back to God. Theologian Frederick Dale Bruner says, we could paraphrase Jesus' words in this text in this way. When you disciples want to love me, you will, of course, want to keep my special commands. When we live loved, we will want to return love. And, and obedience becomes a, a joyful expression of our affection. It's why Pastor Chris Hodges writes, here's the real secret. You can fulfill the commands of the Bible better by falling in love with God rather than by trying to obey Him. It's not that your obedience isn't significant or relevant. It's simply not the center of the wheel. No, the hub of your life is your relationship with God. Can I ask you to consider, what is at the center of the wheel of your life? What's the hub? Because here's the truth, if, if falling in love with God isn't at the, the center, you're rolling on lopsided tires. Ever wonder why the, the ride is so bumpy? Why it takes so much effort to keep rolling? If our effort or anything else for that matter takes center status above God's love for us, we're gonna get stuck. Unless we start there, unless His love is the hub of the wheel, our attempts at obedience are going to come from a motivation of desperation or determination or duty, not out of love. And that's why, when it comes to loving God, the most important discovery you will ever make is the depth of the love God has for you. To live loved. Author Brendan Manning once said, You don't need any more insights into the faith. You have enough insights to last you 300 years. The most urgent need in your life is to trust what you believe. The courage to trust what you believe. Let me ask you today, do you trust that you are loved? Do you not just believe that you are loved? Do you trust what you believe? So many things can keep us from trusting in the truth of our belovedness. Maybe you're carrying shame over how much you've messed up. Or maybe there have been messages ingrained in you from childhood that say you have to earn love. Maybe your heart has been so battered and bruised by this broken world that it's hard to feel love. But what if today, what if today you trusted that God loves you, that He sees you and He knows you and still He chooses you? He's not scowling at you. He is for you. He is on your side. 
We can choose love. I get to decide if I'm going to receive it. I don't know about you, but there are all sorts of things in life that can knock me off balance, sometimes leaving me feeling unloved. But when I choose to receive God's love, not just accept it, but to trust His love for me, it it changes everything. It makes me want to pursue Him, to spend more time in His presence, to, to seek to love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to obey Him, not out of duty, but out of delight. Loving God starts with living loved. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus says, you are loved. And then he goes on to say, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. We remain in his love as we joyfully return love to him by following him in the ways he taught us to live, in the ways that will enable us to flourish. And that is why the practice that we call celebrate here at Community is so important. Celebrate is the first C in the three C's, and it's all about our relationship with God. You see, through the practices of celebrate, we are learning both to, to live loved and to love God. Theologian N.T. Wright asks, how do we remain in him? What does it look like in practice? We must remain in the community that knows and loves him and celebrates him as its Lord. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. We can't go it alone. But we must also remain as people of prayer and worship in our own intimate, private lives. Celebrate is about committing to an ever-deepening, ever-maturing, loving relationship with God. And as Wright states, there is both a communal and an individual expression of that. That's why a couple great starting points for the practice of Celebrate are gathering as a community weekly, like we're doing right now, to worship Him together. And also engaging in practices individually throughout the week, such as reading and reflecting on Scripture. Through these rhythms of celebrate, we learn to live loved and to love God in return by walking in the ways of Jesus. So let me challenge you today. Maybe during this past year, you've gotten off track and feel like you've drifted a bit in your relationship with God. It's been easy to do as so many of the rhythms of our lives were disrupted. But now is the perfect time to hit the refresh button, to commit to the practices of Celebrate that will help you move forward in a better way. I believe that God wants that for you. I believe that He wants that for me. I believe that He wants that for us as a community, to live loved and to grow in our love for God more and more every day. Just imagine with me for a moment what that could mean. What if our gatherings and our celebrating started from a place of living loved and continually pointed one another towards that love? What if our everyday living and working and going around town were fueled by God's love for us, empowering us to live lives of joyful obedience? Can you imagine who we could become? If God's love was at the center of the hub, constantly turning our lives towards Him and His ways. 
That is the kind of refreshing I believe that God wants to bring to our community and to each of our lives. So let's let him. Let's hit the refresh button and reorient our lives around loving God and live loved. Would you pray with me? Father, we have such a hard time grasping the depth of your love for us. Jesus, even when we know what you did for us when you walked on this earth and when you died and rose again, it can be so hard for us to really trust in that, to really believe in that in the depth of our being. And so my prayer for every one of us today is that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our understanding to the depth of just how much we are loved. Father, in some mysterious way or or maybe even some obvious way, I pray for every person that, that a new understanding, a new awareness of your love would flood over them in this moment, in this time. Bring the refreshing that we so desperately need. For we love you, God, and we do want to walk in your ways, Jesus. Help us to live loved so that we can love you in return. It's in your name we pray. Amen.